1: Welcome in to the Husker 24-7 Cast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson here on a Tuesday morning. Nebraska coming off of a uh, pretty, uh, I don't want to say disappointing, because I don't even feel like it was all that unexpected, but sort of the way they got hammered at Iowa, uh, coming off of a win against the number one team in the country at home against Purdue, certainly felt disappointing. Brian, let's just dive right into the Iowa game that was. You watched it. I watched the second half of it. What what do you feel like went wrong uh, for Nebraska throughout that contest over in Iowa City?
0: Well, um, you could start, obviously, with giving up 15 to 35 from three and, you know, give Iowa some credit. They had two guys who hadn't hit a lot from the outside that suddenly were, were making all their shots. They're also wide open. Um, and I realized Nebraska, you got to give to get a little bit in this game on the defensive end. Sometimes you, you want to do this and you're going to give up that over there, but it was entirely too easy. Whereas like a few days earlier, Against Purdue, the defensive effort was, I felt so relentless that even though Purdue was hitting three pointers in that game, I thought it was happening after Nebraska, like, made them strain for it. You know, Diaco strain um, (laughs) to uh, get those type of shots, or they were going to have to work. They're going to have to have a nice pass or something to set it up. This was just simplistic Iowa moving it around. Well, like, okay, here, here, boom, shot. And it felt, it felt entirely too easy. And then the other part of course is it was 17 to two, like five or six minutes into the game. And you see this all the time in college basketball, where if you spot a team like that sort of lead, even if you climb that hill, which Nebraska did, and they got a briefly got the lead and it was 50 to 50.
1: Yeah. 50, 49, something like
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. At the 16 minute timeout. Exactly. They went to the benches and the score at that moment was 50 to 50 and um, anybody's game. But of course, what happens in these scenarios a lot is you expend a lot of energy coming back, the mental part of it and all this. I think, you know, maybe it's not easy to grasp exactly how it happens, but you've worked hard to get to that point and then it's hard to just keep it coming Um, and Iowa punched back and then that was that and Nebraska really didn't have an answer the rest of the game you know the last 12 to 14 minutes it was just Iowa doing what Iowa wanted yeah it just felt like it was a night where Bryce Williams was
1: off Nebraska didn't shoot the ball well it increasingly feels like they're not going to be a good enough team from three-point defense so they have to counteract that by shooting well and if they don't shoot well on the road which so far that seems to be a bit of an issue the uh all four road games they played this year, I think they've they haven't shot particularly well from three. I think their field goal percentage was fine on Friday, but they they have to be able to make shots from the outside. Like they're they're built yeah. that way. And you have to make teams respect it. And it just felt like it snowballed and they just they as you said, they spent a lot of energy to get back to 50-50. And it just did not feel like they were going to be able to, to bring that thing home once Iowa took another swing and Kind of put them on the mat. Like, they didn't really mm-hmm. pick themselves up after that. But they have an opportunity with uh, Rutgers. Another road game. Another uh, Big Ten team that's capable, I think, of playing with anybody but losing to anybody. Yeah. And that's really, Brian, I think, the story of this conference. I mean, I, I think there are no – even at home, Nebraska can have to come out and earn all of their wins. Like, I just don't feel like there's any real gimmies in this conference. And they blew a 17-point lead in Minnesota. Uh, and it felt like they gave away an opportunity in Iowa. feels really important to me that they go into Piscataway and play well, and this is a place where they have played well in the past. They have one on the road there. Um, Keisei Tominaga absolutely lit up the Scarlet Knights last year. I think C.J. Wilcher had a good game as well. He's a New Jersey guy. feels like this is a big, big opportunity uh, in front of them on Wednesday and a game where, I'm going to be honest, if they can get that and then you have these two home games against Northwestern and Ohio state, and you're able to hold serve at home, we're going to, that Iowa game's just going to be in the rear view for us. And so they, it always kind of felt like coming out of the Purdue thing. If they could go one and one on these road games, they were going to be in a really good spot here. You're on the back end of starting 0 and one and, and they're going to need to go get a win and Piscataway.
0: Well, you know that I like to section things off and there was that, part in december where it's like go two and two then there was the part uh between their the early part of january where it's like to the iowa game go two and two nebraska did go two and two and then on friday morning someone asked about uh oh, they got to win at iowa right or else people are gonna and i thought go one and one on this road trip and yep. so you let you let one slip um didn't even slip it they just took it from you you know g- get over it Um, That's a team that averages 90 some points at home, by the way. Like it's
1: it's easy to write Iowa off, but they're really no different than all of their teams that Nebraska has beat in Lincoln as well. Like they're just when they snowball you, they snowball. you.
0: I think the thing that happened in some people's minds with Iowa is their record doesn't look as good at first glance. And people remember the score they had against Iowa State that popped up like in December and Iowa State just took them to the woodshed. Mm -hmm. And so I think there was sort of this thought like, oh, well, they're they're down. Uh, they look pretty good to me, actually. They're, they're going to be a tough team, I think, the rest of the way. And at home, they they just play really well. So um, there's no shame in that loss. It's not like it's a bad loss on paper. So, you yeah, move on from it. But eventually, you're going to have to get two or three of these games on the road. And this one Wednesday... Um, night in Piscataway is definitely one where you could grab it but I think you're right Schaefer like this is a league where every night you're gonna have to bring it with some edge to pull to pull ahead Nebraska doesn't have enough uh they're they're a good team but they're not so loaded you can just step on the floor and not have that edge and expect to win and I think that goes for almost everybody in this league except save maybe Purdue on some nights in Wisconsin, but even, even those guys have found that if they don't have it, you know, you can have a tough night.
1: Yeah. I mean, we just saw a Maryland team that i watched lose to Belmont earlier this year, uh, take it to Illinois and Brad Underwood talked about his team didn't show up with the right attitude to play in that game. They didn't, they didn't have it. And I just think this is a, I don't think it's a top heavy conference. Like if that makes sense, I think there's a lot of teams that are around the same level of quality and that's why you just can't show up and assume that you're going to win anywhere. And whether it's teams coming to Lincoln or whether it's Nebraska going somewhere else, it is hard to play on the road in this conference. The environments are difficult, the uh the game flow is difficult, there's good players, there's veteran coaches, and I I just feel like we we see it night in and night out with these results. There's going to be a car crash of teams right around 9 and 9. I mean, it, it would be, or excuse me, uh, 10 and 10, right. They play 20 yeah. conference games now. If Nebraska could get on the front side of that at 11 and nine, it's going to be huge for, for a conference tournament seating. It's going to be huge for, for where they want to be in terms of overall wins and making the NCAA tournament. And if they're on the other side of it at nine and 11, it's going to feel like they have work to do in that, that big 10, um, you know, in that big 10 conference tournament and their work to do potentially elsewhere. So it is a, uh, there's, there's not a lot of give, you know, they're, they're going to have to go out and earn these games. And that's, that's why, I mean, when we section off the thing, it's not just because, Oh, it looks really tough for these next four games. It's kind of like that has to be the, the, the mindset yeah. if they can hover around 500 and then steal a few wins in a row hmm. or string a few wins in a row. They don't have to necessarily steal them. They can go out and win those games uh, that, that sets them up for the ultimate conversation that you and I would love to have in February where it's not is Nebraska on the bubble? It's no. Nebraska seems firmly in this tournament right now.
0: Yeah, and you're going, and they're going to have to deal. There's going to be noise like before games like this around the state, where it's like, oh, they got to have this game, and it. Yes, it is an important game. I think we're going to run into that conversation though, like five times till we yeah. get to the end, where there's going to be a game where the people are like, eh, they if they don't win this one, it's over. Uh, they're probably going to lose one of those like five games when we have that con- at least, you know, when we have that conversation. But you got to win the majority of them. And um, so here's a chance to start off uh, on a good path with that sort of deal um, against a Rutgers team that um, you can't overlook them. But they aren't quite built like they were the last couple of years. Yeah. Like they're, they're, I mean, they it's do- not a it's not a
1: slam dunk tournament team. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you know they're going to be tough though in that gym, and they kind of have a blue collar way about them. So you've got to match that. Have you had a chance to talk with
1: the uh, uh, players, coaches since the Iowa game? Have they had a media availability in there?
0: No, and there won't be. Um, I, as you know, I wanted to go to Iowa, but the, the 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 snowstorm had other plans for me, so I didn't make it. But uh, Fred did his radio show last night, and that's going to be it till Wednesday. Um, so you know what what he said. And, and stressed and I think they're really trying to bang home with this team is it's the old uh, don't get too high, don't get too low deal. Um, And as he said, there's going to be games like after Purdue where people act like you're amazing and all this stuff. And then there's going to be these the days after Iowa where people are like, they'll never win another game, you know, sort of the talk around the, the state. So you've got to really block all that out, not worry about it. Um, but the biggest thing I thought that came out of that was, He said in those big wins they had, um, guys were talking it out on the court and figuring it out together. And even when they got to the huddles, there was like, they were on top of it. And against Iowa, I don't think they had that. Like they, they just never were on top of that game or together, like in that same way they were in the other ones. And so you got to get back to that immediately. Um, and, and that's going to be huge. And obviously you're going to need specific guys to step up their game. And and then you just got to hit shots. As you mentioned, you only hit four, three pointers against Iowa. Yeah. You get outscored by 33 from behind the arc. Good luck. At least Rutgers isn't known for being that type of team from the outside, <laughs> but that's like a, not, I should knock on this table probably just in case.
1: Yeah. I mean, we saw Nebraska give Indiana, I believe their best three point shooting night of the year. So, and yeah. then that was a game where Nebraska won by double digits. So mm-hmm. it's a, uh, Again, it's a tough conference. It's going to have to, you know, Nebraska going to have to grind things out. It's it's worth pointing out to people that even the, the last team that made the tournament wasn't firing on all cylinders in January. Like, it is a long conference season. Like, there is a lot of games left. A loss in January is not going to upset the apple cart. It's not going to prevent Nebraska from where it wants to go. Um, but they do have to start stringing some wins together. And they're going to have to – uh Right. I think they're going to have to find a way where they can consistently transfer their style of play from home and away a little bit more than they have so far. I mean, I just don't uh-huh. I, I don't know. You know, I I made this joke on uh, on, a, on a radio show, but it reminds me of the the Hoosiers scene where Gene Hackman uh, is he goes into, the, you know, what is Hinkle Fieldhouse? And they put Ollie on, on, I think, Butch's shoulders and he has them measure it. And he's like, you'll see, gentlemen, the the measurement here is the same at our gym home. You know, it's still the same equipment. It's still the same distance. For some reason, Nebraska just hasn't been able to hit those shots in the same way. And so I think if they can figure out a way to play just marginally better on the road or unlock some of their shooting ails when they are on the road. And some of it is obviously you got to give credit to other teams defense, but there was open shots against Iowa. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't want to make it seem like Iowa came out and played good defense against Nebraska. Nebraska just didn't hit shots. They had guys that were available. Uh, and the other thing, Brian, that I, I think is going to be interesting, teams are going to continue to try to take away Tominaga. How can Nebraska build an offense where maybe he isn't going to get a ton of shots every night, but you can utilize him in a way to stretch teams you know, we, we saw it early in the year. He would go up for some of these shots, but they would end up just being dump-in passes to, to rink mast. I I would love to see what Fred Hoiberg can build off of Tominaga a little bit as a decoy as he continues to get more and more uh, attention from, from teams that just, you know, all right, we want to see if everyone else at Nebraska can beat us, but we're not going to let this mm-hmm. guy go for 25 points tonight.
0: Yeah, and you're going to see – um a little zone thrown at you too, I think, because Iowa did that the last 15 minutes or so and Nebraska got stagnant. And uh, they, so Nebraska went back as Hoiberg said on a show and really studied that. And he, as Hoiberg said, the middle was open and they just weren't taking it uh, against that zone. So there's, there's some things they, there's lessons you have to take from a game like that because you know that what you didn't do well is going to be really emphasized and is being emphasized up at Rutgers right now is like, this is how we're going to take advantage of these guys. So you got to cover up those leaks. So we'll see um, if that can happen. And then, you know, Bryce Williams is just going to be so huge to this team too. Like he's just got to have to be a special dude down the stretch. I thought his performance against Purdue um was masterful considering the situation of not practicing in the block shots and the boards and all that. Uh, he didn't have his best game on Friday and a lot of guys didn't. Uh, Sam Hoiberg was under the weather for that game and, uh, wasn't the usual pest that he is, you know, on defense. So, um, just got to get back to who you are, have been in those wins because they've shown when they play a certain style and with a certain relentlessness, um, that they're, uh, they're they're a tricky bunch so it's 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 within them but now you got to bring it out more consistently
1: all right let's uh let's let's take a break and when we come back we are going to talk about danny knee we are going to talk about dunk contests we are going to talk about a little nebraska northwestern coming up this weekend and of course i have a random husker hooper and we will see how many clues bc needs to nail this
2: selling a little Or a lot?
1: So I mentioned Danny knee is going to be back in town. Nebraska has, they, they do this every year, Brian, I think on a Saturday, they is yeah. this alumni weekend. Is that what we're calling it? Um,
0: I believe, this, I believe, it, I believe that's the name for it. Yeah. Yeah. So they,
1: they welcome in all the former players and they bring them out onto the court and it's always really cool to see how far back it can go. You know, sometimes uh, in recent years, there's been guys that played in the fifties and, and played against Wilt Chamberlain and uh, on those teams, I, one of the things that was remarkable, Brian, um, when they were they were discussing I, I don't remember what show it was or where I saw this. they were discussing Nebraska's number one wins in in school history and they had a win, I believe in 58 against Kansas State and Kansas State was number 1 in the country and Nebraska won that game. In the same week they also went and knocked off Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah. and Kansas. Like that is that is so remarkable when you when you say that out loud. And obviously I'm not old enough to to have watched Wilt Chamberlain, but he's one of those names that like Babe Ruth uh for for baseball like you know the presence, you know it means a lot just when someone says Wilt Chamberlain. And so for Nebraska to get two of those wins in 58. What a T Hopefully one of those guys is, is available to be there this weekend.
0: Little known fact is Will had a late growth spurt. He was only actually five eight um while playing at Kansas. No, that's not true. No, that was, <laughs> like
1: a, I'm not you're not gonna you're not gonna convince me that he's Dennis Rodman over here. No. Who no, was that's like not what six was. foot when he went to junior college and six eight when he left. So yeah. Um, no, no,
0: no. That that was a pretty magical week, uh, old fifty eight. I, I believe it or not, I wasn't alive then.
1: Yeah, so I I, I wasn't going to ask you because I felt like the earliest memories you have of Nebraska basketball stems from the the late sixties. So I don't want to
0: I don't want to <laughs> age you too much. Here, Danny, but. knee really? Uh, you got to start at the. We can work yeah. right seamlessly here because that's Let's really it. when it that's when it started for me as a knee era. So um, I, go I'm gonna I want to set you up with this because I don't have like. My memories of it
1: are Vincent Hamilton and Tyron Lue Mm. and sort of the late stages of it. I knew even as a kid, the way that my dad would talk about him, I didn't know the word bombastic, but once I learned it, it's how I would probably assume Danny need to have been uh, as, as a coach, as a figure uh, at Nebraska. Um, And those teams, I mean, there's a lot of talent that came out of those. And as we do the random Husker Hooper thing, you could stick in the nineties, and there's some really memorable players that I don't quite have the memories of or the wherewithal of because it just occurred right before I would have gotten into Nebraska basketball. So I'm going to, I'm going to just let you uh, wax poetically about what Nebraska basketball was under Danny knee in the nineties.
0: Um, I remember I started following him like late eighties, a little bit on they, they, you know, games would pop up on Raycom back then. That was where games would be aired. I don't know what pre is. Yeah, it was like a syndicated uh, broadcast of games. Okay. And, um, you know, the Nebraska, like when Danny took over, especially late 80s when I started following them, they were kind of an afterthought in hoops and um, lower part of the Big 8. It was an exciting league because it had coaches with personalities similar to danny in their own way like you know norm stewart and billy tubbs and all the eddie Suts and these guys just like were seemed larger than life and would get on the court and they'd be like sit down norm you know chance for norm stewart and it was just a magical time of basketball i think in the league um and danny um to his credit um quickly made nebraska one of those teams where people knew they were going to have to Play pretty friggin' well to beat, and um he redshirted a lot of guys, as I recall, the year before it took off, and so they went, they won like ten games. Was the Bo year Reed before. one
1: of those guys? Yeah. I feel like he was one of them.
0: So yeah. I, I believe so. I don't. Want, I'm speaking off the cuff a little bit, but I know there were a lot of red shirts, and so they thought they might have something behind the scenes, but nobody else really knew that, and they're kind of just like whatever. And then that '91 team came up, and they just started winning early and then they were, you know, they were knocking off like Kansas and some of these teams and you're like, man, they, they, this is different. And I I remember there was a point where you're like, I kind of expect them to win, you know, when they're playing like Oklahoma state and, and those sort of games, they won 26 games. That first NCAA tournament team he had were a three seed. They lost to Xavier kind of heartbreaking. Um, But yeah, he, he made it really exciting and they just played a fun style of basketball and the Devaney center at that time was a really exciting venue to go to. I think too, it got, it got loud. It was intense. It was a tough place to play at if you're on the road and you sort of expect in Nebraska during a certain era underneath was going to find a way at home.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it's one of those things that like, I wish I could just, you know, this is not the best use of anyone's time machine, but I wish I could just go back there and be around for it because <laughs> the era of basketball that I inherited that came basically at the end of Danny Knee and then sort of the Barry Collier-Doc Sadler run, while there was individual moments of enthusiasm and excitement, you didn't have these teams and really almost a cast of characters. Like You had some really interesting players that were playing for Nebraska at that time and guys that went on to have them. You know NBA careers and play for multiple teams, and you know Tyron Lue is now an NBA coach, and so it it's just one of those things where it it feels like the last truly great run of Nebraska basketball was now what thirty years ago, almost uh, there So it it's nice to to have uh, Danny Mee come back in. You know, I don't think that Nebraska is on the precipice of anything like that right now. Uh, but it reminds you that it can be done and it has been done and that you can win and have winning basketball at a high level at Nebraska. And I, I hope to see that again. I really do. I mean, I it's one of those things I, I wish that I could have experienced more of, but just, uh, you know, was not, not quite uh, with it with basketball.
0: At I, was, that time. I was picturing uh, you going up to some, some guy who's like he's told you I've, I've figured out time travel and he's like, I can take you anywhere and you tell him, I'd like to go back to December of 1990 to sort of like get in right when that run's starting to happen for Nebraska basketball for the first time. And I'd like to see that guy's reaction.
1: I would imagine he's like, well, you're the third guy who said it this week, (laughs) you know? So I I assume it's a pretty common, pretty common choice, but I, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I, all right. So that's, that weekend is uh, the Danny knee thing is happening here for alumni weekend. There's also going to be a dunk contest involving football players. Is this, is this what I understand BC?
0: That's what they were touting yesterday. Yes.
1: This, this has nothing to do with that. But for some reason, the thing in my brain that I remember is being younger and going to the Columbus high gym and watching like football players come in uh, that had just graduated and they would do this exhibition against Mm -hmm. some other team and there would be a point or a spot in there where it would just you'd have guys like trying to show off what they could do in terms of dunks and uh i, I it it kind of gave me a little nostalgic when I saw that graphic come across Twitter the other day,
0: yeah, that's a little uh blast from the past. Do you remember there used to be a TV show uh, where they would have like guys from different sports participate in a dunk contest over the weekend it, it would you'd just see feels like like deon sanders was in it you know and stuff like that they'd get pretty good names and they would show their best dunks and that was great television as yeah
1: well and now because of contracts and injuries and everything else we will never see anything like that again
0: yeah it's kind of disappointing but yeah that's going on it'll be interesting to see which football guys participate um and uh sort of back to this current team, this Husker Hoops team, you know, beat Rutgers. And obviously those are going to be energy in the gym, no matter what, but you win the game Wednesday. Um, it just amps it up a couple of notches yep. and, and and then you're having a, a real fun time Saturday against a pretty good Northwestern. Team. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was the other thing I was going to toss in there. And they're a team that has given Nebraska problems under Chris Collins, given Nebraska problems anytime, but uh, since Chris Collins has been there, uh, they've been pretty good. And, and Nebraska hasn't quite figured out that, that team in the way that maybe they have, you know, they had, I think more wins in recent years against Purdue than they do Northwestern. So yeah. um, they're, mm-hmm. they've been a problem for Nebraska. And so it'd be a, a good win for them to get for a variety of reasons. This, uh, this upcoming Saturday. All right, Brian, are you ready for, uh, mm-hmm. for guess a random Husker? Um,
0: probably not. It's usually an embarrassing segment. I I've realized that I'm really bad at, name placement like i'm i'm good at like uh certain moments and like you know i can picture like oh yeah i remember this this, this game but with the guys i struggle so i'll try my best but man i'm batting a bad average
1: yeah all right well um, here here we go i've i will uh i will give you the clues and we right. will see we will see how you do uh this nebraska player came from a junior college And spent two years with the program, his final two years of eligibility spent at Nebraska. Uh, So I've given you that. Would you like to know which junior college or which years he played? Which years? All right. So he was on the 2016-17 and 2017-18 Nebraska basketball team. I should know it then. He was a captain on the 2017-18 team. Started early in the year, but became far more effective when he became nominally the team's sort of six man that year. That was uh, the Nebraska team that finished fourth in the conference uh, that, and were, were rewarded with the uh, NIT who, game on the who road. Was there,
0: who was their six man? Just just what was his best moment? Do you Do you have a moment that you think of?
1: Well, I have his bio pulled up here. So give me uh give me a second. And I will see what they consider to be um the best moments. I I have a clue that will 100% give this away,
0: but I'm gonna I try don't I it don't out. think so cuz um I don't think so, but uh uh, I mean, his, his
1: best game that year when he got moved to the bench is the first game. He he came off the bench. He had a 13.5 rebound performance and a one point, one point win over Illinois on January 15th that I believe Nebraska won that game on free throws from James Palmer, who was fouled with like 0.3 seconds left. And, uh, Illinois was very unhappy about it. John Gross, I believe would have been a coach at that time. Um, Okay. Let's see what else do we have here. He as I said was a uh, was a team captain, started 19 games. His season high that that year was a 16 point 7 of 8 from the uh foul line performance against UTSA. He uh I believe shot 44% from 3 in his final year. There's not like a specific moment that I think you're going to uh you're going to be able to drill in on, but Okay. Do you have any do you have any names you want to throw out there from the 20... 16 17 17 18 era?
0: Um I mean Glenn Watson was on that team, but yep. he wasn't He wasn't junior college. No, he wasn't. He played a while.
1: Uh this guy went to junior college as a bounce back. I believe he played his um he started at Samford University. Played in 31 contest. Was selected to the 2015 SoCon All-Freshman Team. Averaged 6.4 points, 3.3 rebounds a game. He is a guard, six foot uh, listed at six foot five from Cincinnati, Ohio. Do you want the Do you want the clue that's just going to make it all appear for you? Just tell me who it is. He is the first of his name to be a uh, Nebraska athlete. Someone that shares the same Evan Taylor yes it is evan
0: taylor there you go was was it did you have it before that or was that the uh no i didn't have it then then when you said that i knew i didn't i i didn't know evan taylor's background at all i you know what i honestly forgot evan taylor was that like instrumental to that
1: yeah team. he was a big part of uh i there was a quote i think tim miles had in the 2018-2019 season where he sort of mm-hmm. mentioned like lamenting they didn't have his kind of toughness coming off of the bench. Like he was, right. he wasn't going to be a big scorer, kind of similar to, to Corey Sims was a good defender. He uh, yep. was a ball handler, just kind of provided some toughness uh, for a team that, that needed it. in certainly in sixteen seventeen, but again, in, in seventeen eighteen. I didn't know he was six five actually,
0: man. Yeah.
1: Just slightly taller than the other Evan Taylor that will be uh, here that you've spoke to. Um, for a great story that we had here. Yeah. He's
0: re that, that Evan Taylor is an early enrollee on the football team. Who is uh, working through a rehab after an injury. So hopefully he's back healthy soon. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the giveaway to me. It was like, Oh yeah, there's another guy with the same name. It's like, Oh, it's Evan Taylor.
1: Yeah. I guess I could have told you the junior college, but I don't feel like that would have mattered. I don't, there's not like a singular Evan Taylor moment in a good way. He, I don't, I think it was a Cincinnati game. He had a chance to ice it, and he missed some free throws that would have finished the game in 2016-17, and they ended up having to go to overtime or something like that. Uh, I remember Remember, he did not – he had a couple of free throws that were critical for Nebraska to win a game in regulation, and he did not make mm-hmm. them. Um, so, But I, I was trying to think of more positive memories, uh, and I just don't have them associated <laughs> with something particularly strong. I was hoping the six-man thing – and then the two year junior college, and then Samford. I thought it might click at that point. I,
0: I I don't I don't know the guys bios very well. Um, from back in the day. Um, before I was <laughs> back covering in the
1: day it. that was that might no. be one of our more
0: recent players. No, back in the day to me is like before I was like covering it more daily. No. Like I just I just didn't. I didn't worry too much about where they were from or whatever. I knew the roster in that given year. And then you kind of like, okay, you move on to the next roster and you forget about guys and all this stuff or not forget about, but they all blur together at a certain point. You know what I mean? Like they, it's hard. They all, there's like five guys. Like, as you're giving that, uh, those clues, there's like five guys. You're like, eh, no, it's not him. And you don't want to say that out loud. Cause you're like, that's a stupid answer. You know? <laughs> And then sometimes it is that that guy. Um, Like, uh, I had a feeling it was Mikey Moore pretty early in your clues the one time. I was like, no, I don't want to guess that because I don't think he was on that NIT team. And then it turns out he was. Yeah, He was. He was. All right. Well, we will be back next week with
1: another Husker 24-7 hoops cast. We'll be breaking down the week that was with Rutgers. They play on Wednesday, 6 o'clock. I believe that'll be a BTN game. And then I think a midday one like a one 1, 15, 1 p.m. start against Northwestern, so a little bit earlier. Uh, it will be, I imagine, a pretty good environment in, in Pinnacle Bank Arena. So if you have the opportunity to get out, I'm sure they will be pumping the heat in in that building. Uh, so even if it's cold outside, they'll have you nice and toasty in Pinnacle Bank Arena. So everyone, enjoy the uh, the wonderful weather we have going on right now in, uh, in Lincoln and uh, throughout the state. Brian and I will be back next week with another podcast. Be sure to check out all of Brian's coverage uh, from Husker 20, or on Husker 24-7 for this basketball team. Check out all of our coverage in general. We uh, we obviously cover a lot of football as well, and there's plenty going on right now. So check out Husker 24-7. So for Brian Christopherson, I'm Mike Schaefer. We'll catch you next time.